Please take your Bibles, if you would, and if you would find in the Old Testament, book of Exodus, chapter 36, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. Exodus chapter 36, 1 through 7. I appreciate you being here today. Spring break Sunday, and uh, you've lost an hour, but you don't look like you lost an hour, and I don't want you to get it back today, or this very hour, if you don't mind, but uh, we're going to do our best up here. You give it your very best. Responding in faith is the... Uh, name of our sermon series for this month. It's also in preparation for what we're calling our uh, faith campaign to be debt-free and more uh, by 23. So we encourage you to do that. We're going to have some testimonies by way of video. One we're going to show you right now. We believe giving to the Lord's church because Proverbs 3.9 tells us to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. We can give testimony to how the Lord has met our needs when we gave to him first. We moved to Auburn four years ago. With no family close by to help with our two young children, we decided it would be best if I quit my job to stay home with them. Our budget was very tight during those first few years here, but we continued to tithe at the beginning of each month. God provided for us, and no bill ever went unpaid. We are asking you to join us and others in supporting the Responding in Faith campaign to be debt-free by 2023 by being good stewards of the money He has given you and trusting Him to provide for your needs. From Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 through 7, please keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking at some of those verses and maybe even some in the chapter before. But this now is the Word of God. Bazalel and Oholiab, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bazalel and Aholiab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, every one whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all that the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. Have you ever wondered why some things are the way they are? Such as, and follow along with me here, why is it that uh, we park in driveways, but we drive on the parkway? Or if you're going to transport something, and you transport it by car, it's always called a shipment, but if you transport it by shipment, it's called cargo. Somebody at least smile or snicker some of these. I don't know. I saw a commercial about somebody who had... Uh, too much time on their hands so they're able to wonder about some of these things. Well, how about a couple of more, and then we'll stop. But <laughs> Why is the word abbreviation such a long word? It seems like it might be a shorter word. And how about this? Why is it that you have to get a key in order to use a 
restroom at the gas station? Are they afraid somebody's going to come in and clean it up while they're not looking? Well, these may be questions you might have, but I want us to lead to another question, and that is that uh, why is it some people ask, you may have wondered today or sometime in the past, why is it uh, if God can meet every need, then why are some of the needs, whether they be in the church or in the community or in the world, why are they going unmet? Well, we understand that we have a God who is a gracious God, and because of His grace, He has chosen for us to be a part of the work that He is doing, which we understand then if there are some needs that are going unmet, some people who are not being reached with the love of God, someone who doesn't know the good news of the Lord Jesus, or people who need encouragement, but sometimes they're not getting encouragement, it may be because God's people, those who are followers of the Lord Jesus, are not responding to the call on their life. Now understand, the Lord works in many and various ways, but He has chosen His church, He has chosen the body of Christ to do kingdom work on earth. We are His hands and His feet, and there is no greater work to be done on earth. Consider the Israelites. We read in Exodus chapter 36 in their story, they left Egypt after 400 years of slavery. And when we're reading this particular part of the story, they're somewhere in between Egypt and the land of Canaan. They're between the time of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and they've not made it into the promised land, that which would become the land of Israel. What is it that you know about this generation of Israelites? They did not make it into the promised land. They were not allowed to go in, primarily because they were disobedient and they would not follow God when it was time to go and conquer the land. We also know that they complained a lot while they were in the wilderness. They seem to often be heard to say, why is it that you've brought us into this land to die in this wilderness? Why have you brought us out of Egypt? You might remember when they were first came to the Red Sea and they were in hot pursuit by the Egyptian army and they were up against the sea. They complained to Moses and in spite of their complaints still, God parted the Red Sea that they might be able to cross. They complained that there might not be enough water. God provided the water. In fact, a rock followed them that provided water for some of the time while they were in Israel. They complained there might not be enough food and manna was brought down from heaven. Seemed to be one thing after another. Not to mention the fact that they after they complained that Moses had been on the mountain too long with God, they made a golden calf. Aren't you glad that we as church folk, we're never heard to complain? He said very sarcastically, of course. Well, it's okay to have complaints. Just be sure that when you have complaints that you take them to the Lord first before you share them with everybody else. Then ask the Lord to reveal himself to you and to transform your heart. Well, you know why I love this particular part of Exodus that we've read today? Because this generation of God's people who seem to always be doing wrong and we keep learning from their mistakes, this time they finally got it right. God told Moses to build a tabernacle for him. Instead of requiring a tax or some kind of requirement from the Lord's people, he said to ask for a contribution. Have the people give only if they're willing. Well, how did God's people do? We read it in verse 7 of chapter 36 just a moment ago. For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. King James Version, it says, and too much. I don't know that you can ever give too much. Plus and more was really just a better sermon title. But like the Israelites, let's get this one right. As we move into the new decade of the 2020s, we want to have a clear vision for the future. Church, we don't want to miss out on what the Lord wants to reveal to us 
and for us to be able to do as we move forward, as the Lord is blessed. We'll be celebrating 50 years of Parkway Baptist being a church this year. And we believe that the Lord is blessed and we want to continue to move forward and we want to be sure that we have that clear vision of what God wants and we want to be sure to be able to get it right as we move forward. Now that's for the church. How about for you? I mean, do you want to get it right? Do you want to be sure that as you move forward and as we move to this new decade for you and your family, that you want to do that which would be pleasing to God and that you want to be sure that you're following the direction that He has for you? Well, I want you to be able to understand from this passage the things that He said because regardless of their disobedience and their sins of the Israelites, God was willing to allow Israel to take part in this important build. Could God built a tabernacle without them? Oh, sure he could have. He could have even followed along with them as he had been doing without the tabernacle. But he allowed them, graciously allowed Israel to take part. In spite of our sins and our sinfulness for which the blood of Christ covers all sins, he allows us to take part in his work. The encouragement for you to participate in what we're calling our Responding in Faith campaign as members of Parkway Baptist Church and we realize that we always have guests who are a part of that, and this allows you to be able to see, hopefully, what we're a part, and hopefully be able to see how we love one another and work together, and that you want to be a part as well. But may it not be cumbersome ask for you, but instead may it be something that you are willing to do, and even a fun way, if we could say it that way, to be able to see what God's able to do when we work together, what God's able to do when we respond in faith and be able to participate in God's plan and have that privilege. Would you come along with me this morning in this particular scripture, and let's take these next few minutes to search and see what led to the overabundance of giving to see if it cannot become contagious. We want to make it applicable to the church and also applicable to our individual lives. We read in Exodus chapter 36, 1 through 7, that's our text, but we want to understand the context. So let's look back if we can at Chapter 35, if you've got your Bibles open, also these will be on the screen. Exodus 35 and verse 40 says, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name, there they are again, Bozalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur in the tribe of Judah. He's inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the sons of Ahimasach of the tribe of Dan. If you want to get this right, be a part of God's plan for you in the church. Here's perhaps what you need to know. First, you've got some notes that will help us there. First, you have a calling. How do you like those names? Bozalel and Aholiab. We've got, we've got two daughters. I guess it was a good thing because if we had sons, I think this is what we would have named them. I'm kidding. We probably wouldn't have. We don't know much about these guys except that they were craftsmen, probably in charge of all the craftsmen who were putting the tabernacle together. And the Lord called them by name. God's people are called by name for kingdom work. If you're a follower of Jesus, well, you, you have two callings on your life. You have a call to be saved and you have a call to serve. A call to salvation and a call to service. We want to encourage everybody who's here has one of those calls. and In, in a sense, they are one and the same because if we're called to be saved, we're called to serve. But everybody here has at least one of those calls on them for this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, well, there's a call to salvation today. You may not hear an audible voice for your name being called, but you can be sure 
if you don't know Christ today and you found yourself in this place, the Lord is calling you for salvation. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know Him as Lord and Savior, be able to have a home in heaven. And today, before we leave this service, you'll have another opportunity for us to be able to call upon His name. We encourage you to do that, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to come in. But those of you, those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus, there is a call to serve today. It is a just as he called these in Exodus chapter 35 and he's called others, he's called you by name to serve him. Consider for a moment, at least those that we might think of who's been called by name in the Bible. Moses was called by name out of the burning bush. There was Samuel while laying in bed as a child. He was called by God. His name was called. There was Jeremiah. We read it here just a few weeks ago in the month of January. We were looking at Jeremiah and Jeremiah was called by name and he said take a look at this and he had a response from God and he responded to God there were the 12 disciples they're listed two or three times and particularly Bible doesn't just say well these there were 12 disciples they called every one of them by name and he called them to follow him there was Saul who most of us know as Paul who was on the Damascus road and God stopped him on that Damascus road and he called him out so that he might be able to follow him Today, if you don't know Jesus, we know there's a calling on your life. Today, if you do know Jesus, we know that there's a call. And today, God's call, it's similar to a New Testament passage from 1 Thessalonians 2.12. It is that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. So here on the outset, how would you describe one of God's call? Looking at the general call and making it personal, God's calling me to be saved. Is that you, that you need to know Christ as Lord and Savior, or God's calling me to serve? That's you if you are a Lord, if you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe it is to continue to serve, or maybe it's to begin serving, or maybe it's to get back in the game of serving. But also, if you're going to get this right, be a part of God's plan for you and the church. You also have a filling. God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit to give guidance so that we might be able to have encouragement so that we might be able to have direction. As verse chapter 35 and verse 30 we read just a moment ago, just as uh, God called by name the name of Basilel to serve, the very next verse says He filled him with the Holy Spirit. As Christians who've been called by God, we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us. There's a connection here if you happen to be here last week, but even if you're not, you're not being left out. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays this great prayer. And part of that prayer is, is that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And that is that we might be filled and follow the Holy Spirit. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 14, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So you're, you're understanding this, that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you've already responded to the call of salvation. You know that there's a call to serve. And if you are already a believer in the Lord Jesus, then you are already filled with the Holy Spirit. All those who are the children of God have the Spirit. Notice verse 31, if you take a look at that. Chapter 5 and verse 31. We don't want you to get confused because we're looking at both chapters. Now we're going back a little bit. Chapter 35 and verse 31. Notice what the Holy Spirit does for us. This is what He did, at least particularly for those who were to work on the tabernacle. 
Well, he filled them with skill or wisdom, depending on your translation, with intelligence or understanding and knowledge in all manner of craftsmanship and workmanship for the work that was to be done. About 1,500 years later, after this took place, Jesus was on earth, and he told his disciples and his followers, he said the Holy Spirit would be coming, and the Holy Spirit would do many of these very same things. In fact, we've talked about the Holy Spirit before. And the biggest difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the filling of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is in the Old Testament, even among God's people, it was those who were filled with the Holy Spirit were only certain individuals and often for a certain task. But in the New Testament, after the cross and after the promise of Jesus to send the Holy Spirit upon all those who are believers in the New Testament, everyone who is a child of God, all of God's people have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit never leaves us. Again, we're told in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, elsewhere in the New Testament, to be filled with the Spirit means to deliberately and continually live under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the same as walking in the Spirit, allowing the Lord to have control over your life. So in what ways will the Holy Spirit be at your work in your life now? What ways will the Holy Spirit be at work? You've got some notes. You could jot some things down. Maybe through encouragement and direction. Maybe through uh, uh, certainly the use of time and resources. There are many ways in which the Spirit is at work. Are you allowing Him to have control over your actions and your time and your resources? If so, then the, there's a third step. First, you have a calling. Second, you have a filling. But also, we understand from this passage that you have a gifting. God's people have in their hands and in their hearts the gift, skills, and ability for doing kingdom works. God gave Israel the people there, the skills and the gifts needed at that time for His purposes. Now consider the church, this church. Every member has a gift or gifts for meeting the needs of the church and reaching the lost people around the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. In fact, all of that chapter, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, about spiritual gifts, that in Romans, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, a great place to go. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. There is not a need that we will have or that we do have in this church for which God has not touched the heart of a person or people in the congregation to meet. Now, not one of us can meet all the needs of the church. Not one of us can meet all the needs outside the doors of a church in the community or reach all lost people for Christ. But together with each of us having our unique gifts and skills and abilities, we can be used to do much for the kingdom of God. Now, gifts, skills, and abilities are all different things. Some of you have particular inclinations or abilities, maybe even that you're born with, maybe passed down, it runs in your family, you're good at certain things. There are skills in which you can learn along the way, which sometimes which we know that the Lord can use, even skills, that whether you've learned them at home or you've learned them at work or in the classroom, those are skills that you can use. Gifts are those things which are given to each one of us when we become spiritual gifts, each one of us when we become believers in the Lord Jesus. Not something that we have before, 
but it's something that we have once we become believers in the Lord Jesus to be used for His purposes in His kingdom. But even skill in secular employment is God's gift and comes from above. So take you just a moment, as we're always seeing to be very practical here. Can you name a gift or something that you like to do that could be used for the Lord? You've got a place there in which you could write one of those things down or think about that particular thing. But God has given you a gift or gifts to be used. It may be you have that skill or ability you enjoy. God wants you to surrender it to Him. God has placed in every Christian here something in your heart, something in your hand that makes you capable of serving God's church and of helping to reach the community with the love and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want to be sure that you get this right, that you're part of God's plan for you and for the church, you should be working. You should be working. Pretty much so far, the process for meeting needs is the Lord's doing. There's a calling. We're called to serve. There's a filling. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a gifting. For many professing Christians, that's where it stops. Even for those who are churchgoers and believers in the Lord Jesus, it might stop right here. But the Bible says the people in the story that we read were called to give and to do work, and they did it. They went to work on the tabernacle of God. Well, what is it that we're to be doing? Well, the people of Israel were at that time, at that point, ready to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle from this point forward for many, many years would represent the presence of God. Tabernacle, they carried in the wilderness. They then took it to the Holy Land, would set it up. Tabernacle, this tent of meeting, would be the place where God dwelled. It represented for them, and it was symbolic, and God really was there. Often there would be the presence of God in the cloud in the temple from the time of Moses until the time of Solomon. You know what Solomon did? Solomon built a temple, I mean a real temple, not a tent, but uh, a large, beautiful temple. And this was the place where God dwelt, represented the place and presence of God. And it did so until the time of Christ. And then Christ came, guess who not only represented the presence of God, but was the presence of God for 33 years here on this earth. And even up in the time of His resurrection until the time of His ascension. So, think with me for just a moment. If the presence of God was represented by the tabernacle from the time of Moses to the time of Solomon, and then it was represented by the temple from the time of Solomon to the time of Christ, and then Christ was the presence of God. Well, what represents the presence of God since the time of Christ? It's you, and it's me. We have the Holy Spirit that indwells inside each one of us, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. The word tabernacle means dwelling. So when Christ ascended, Holy Spirit came on all believers and continues to come on all those who put their faith in Christ. Holy Spirit, God Himself, is tabernacled among us. He's tabernacled inside us. We represent the one who is the Lord Jesus. Well, what is it that we, the tabernacle, the temple of God, what are we to be doing? What's the work to be done? Well, let me give you three things if I could. Not necessarily in your notes, but you might want to write them down. Represented by this passage of the work that we are to do. Wait, these are in your notes. That's good. God's people go to church. God's people go to church. Now, we know that the church is not the building. Church is the people. 
We make up the Bible. But it's the way we talk about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong when you say, are we going to church today? Hope the answer is always yes. Are we going to church today? We lost an hour. The church, hopefully the answer is always yes. Are we going to church today? They're saying on the news, maybe you shouldn't go to church because of the germs. Yeah, I still hope that you still come to church. We are to be going to church, even though we recognize and see the difference between that we are the church, the body of Christ. But consider that every time that we come together, every time we come together, it is the place in which heaven and earth meet. As tabernacles of the Holy Spirit, when we're together, we're reminders. God has visited this place and has come to earth. When we come to the church, we experience together God dwelling among us. You're to go, not because you have to, or because you feel guilty if you don't, or put holy notches on your belts, but because it's an ordained way in which we enter into the God's presence and stand before Him. In Sunday worship, it's, it's a foretaste of what we're going to be doing in heaven one day. Now, compared to heaven, we probably don't do it very well. But you understand that what's taking place when we come together and we worship together and come with the right spirit and attitude, it can put a heavenly spiritual rhythm into the rest of your week and to remind you how you need to be involved in personal worship. Going to worship and going to church also gives testimony to the rest of the world. We live in this world, but the church is an indicator that we participate in heavenly reality. Worshiping God as the family of God is a sign that there's something other, something beyond, something greater than this crazy, mixed-up, uncertain world in which we live. There's another order of things. There's another rule taking place because we know that God rules. In the process, we, we hope that the world is attracted to the worship and to the reality of the living God. The results of whether the world will follow we cannot predict, but ours is to stay the course. We make a distinction between being the church and going to church, but it's hard to effectively be the church of God, the body of Christ, and get all of this right unless we are coming and gathering to worship in His name. And as their tabernacle would be a place of worship, represented there being God's people, it's one way that we do that is by going to church, but also God's people give to the church. God's people give to the church. We read in chapter 36 and verse 3 earlier, they kept bringing free will offerings for the work that was to be done. When, when people's hearts are right with the Lord, they give of their resources to the Lord's work. Read with me if you, if you will. We'll look at uh, chapter 35 and verse 5 also will be on the screen. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze. Where were the Israelites? They're in the wilderness. Where did they get gold, silver, and bronze? Well, there's about a million of them that are wandering there in the wilderness, but you might remember they plundered the land of Egypt. Willingly, the Egyptians gave of their possessions to the people, and so it's not like they have nothing. Verse 21 of Exodus chapter 35, it says that they came, everyone whose heart is stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. You see uh, 
see something, begin to notice something. Then verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. God wishes to provide by stirring the hearts of Christians to give so that church needs are taken care of so that we can minister to others and reach a lost world for Jesus. If, if your heart is not stirred to use your resources for kingdom work, it may be that God has chosen not to use your resources for kingdom work. Boy, wouldn't that be a sad state? Or it could be for some people, some people are far enough removed for them that when the Lord does the stirring, they don't feel a thing. Consider this. If the Lord continues to bless our church, we'll face some challenges and decisions probably in this decade of the 2020s concerning the visions and plans for the church to provide for ministries, uh, for space, and for other things that need to be done. Well, for us to be ready for the future... We need to take care of some things in the past. And in particular, we're seeking to pay off our debt. If God stirs the hearts and if we are willing, the Lord will do great and wonderful works in our midst. So we want to be willing, be ready for what the Lord has in store for us as a church. You want to be really willing. You want to be ready. Working for the Lord, for the Lord to be able to reveal you to you more of Himself. But also God's people not only go to church, not only they give to the church, but they grow the church. Okay, God does the growing of the church. But God's people want the church to grow. You know, it is God's desire for the church to grow. Jesus, on more than one occasion, he would use parables. He'd use the parable like of a mustard seed or another seed or something that would grow a small seed into a large plant or a tree with many branches that bears much fruit. God wants his church to grow. He wants us to grow in discipleship and worship whereby each member becomes more like Christ every day and glorifies His name. He wants us to grow in ministry, discover more ways to reach out to people's needs with the love of Jesus inside and outside the church. And I believe He wants us to grow in people. We, the church, the ones who are the body of the Christ, carried on Christ's work. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. The work for the Israelites at this particular time was to build the tabernacle. We're to do our part in building the church. Not necessarily brick and mortar, but as the New Testament says, the church is made up of living stones. Touring Westminster Abbey in London. It was built, began to be built in the year 1047. Somebody asked the tour guide, said, well, how long did it take to build this? The tour guide said, well, I don't know. We started over a thousand years ago and we're not finished yet. You can be sure God's not finished building His church. Should we be led to ever build again, whether it be on this campus or somewhere else? Building will not be the goal or the task of the church. The building will be a means to the mission of leading people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If God desires to grow this church, how will He provide the resources, the work to be done? Well, look around. You're looking at the people that God wants to be involved in His work. Do we seem like an unlikely source? Well, the Israelites of the Exodus could be described as hard-hearted, stiff-necked, impatient, corrupt, and full of iniquity. But when it came to building the tabernacle, they came through with flying colors, gave of time, talents, resources to build a beautiful tabernacle to represent the true and living God. 
Notice these two or three attributes. This is not in your notes, but notice these. They were, full, they were true of these people. They were willing and they were qualified. Now, some people are qualified, but they're not necessarily willing. And then there are others that are willing, but not necessarily qualified in what it is that they would like to do. So we need to be willing to do whatever God leads us to do. Also, they paid attention to detail and to quality. The rest of Exodus, from Exodus 35 to the end of Exodus, it's just, it is description of the tabernacle and everything in the tabernacle, its width and length and how it was to be made. So they paid attention to detail and to quality. I know what you're thinking. This is the tabernacle. It's a tent that they carried around, the tent of meetings. But those who are experts and biblical scholars have come to read that if what is true is in the Bible, and we know that it's true, then there was one ton of gold used to build the tabernacle. One ton. Two and a half tons, or two and a quarter tons of silver that was used in order to build. And there were two and a quarter tons of bronze. No wonder it took so many people when they had to move the tabernacle to go from one place to the other. But it was quality. Quality matters. And then they were willing to work and to give. And here's what we've come to find out probably from this passage and from others. If the cause is worthy and the money and the resources are handled wisely, people are in. They're ready to be a part. Well, can I tell you that what we're doing as we move forward and what has been done through Parkway Baptist Church because of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cause is worthy. And we will bend over backwards to make sure that we're following in godly ways to be able to use our resources and that they'll be handled in a godly way. If God's church is going to grow, we'll take these things. Yes, we're sinful people, inadequate for the task, but because of God's forgiveness and grace, if we put ourselves into God's hand, He's able to do a great work. Just like the Israelites say, whoever's heart is stirred must come and do the work. Well, we've discovered these steps and I never want to pretend that if we follow a checklist, God will act in a certain way or that we can somehow manipulate God to perform. But when God, God's people follow Him in faith, you will see an overflowing. Now, some of you have been in church for a while. Have you ever heard the preacher say, we're not taking an offering today because we had too much that was given last week? Can I get a witness, anybody? Uh, but it does happen from time to time. March 3rd, this week, one year ago, we know the tornadoes came through Beauregard. March 3rd, this week, we know the tornadoes came through Nashville. I don't know about what's happening in Nashville, but I know that in 2019, less than a week, word went out, stop bringing stuff. You've responded well. We've got more than we can handle. We've got nowhere else to put stuff. We've got more than can and will be used. Now, here we are a year out. Still, money is good, and I mean, money can be used, and volunteers are still being needed. But you, Parkway members, have served in many and various ways. During our seven days of serving, our goal during those seven days was to build 80 walls that were to be used, that would complete a couple of houses to be used in Beauregard. But you completed 100. In 84, built 184 walls. And we would have done more, but we kept running out of material to build. So it does happen. Maybe it's the urgency or the worthy cause, and knowing your time and resources are going to something that matters. 
Well, I can't wait to see it happen again. And the result be we come together for a common cause and reach a spirit-driven goal and lives are transformed and reach for Jesus. Now, this will need to be a spiritual journey, a building of our faith and continued focus on our mission as a church. But it doesn't happen without you and me following God's calling, submitting to the Holy Spirit, using the gifting of which God has gifted you to do, and a working of going, giving, and growing the church. Watch for the overflowing. It may not be like what you would expect, but with God it's always better. There's a God who provides and cares by doing more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. God's at work all around us, and sometimes we need to look with spiritual eyes on where God is working, what He's doing. And God desires to meet needs, and He wants to do it through God's people. When God's people respond to God's call, there will be more than enough to provide for the needs before us. Now, early in the service, I told you it'd be an opportunity for you to be able to respond to God's call. And if God's call today is for you to be saved, God's call for salvation, to ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord, I want to encourage you to respond to God's call today. You can do that through prayer by asking Christ to forgive you of sin and asking Christ to come in. We encourage you to make it public today. It may be that God's calling you to service or to continue to serve or come back to serving. We want to encourage you to follow God's call on your life today. Let's bow together for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today knowing how good you are to us. We thank you for the stories of God's Word found in the Bible. We thank you, Father, for this good example by the people of God who responded by their serving and their working and their giving. Father, may we be under, able to understand how we also might be able to be involved and what a privilege it is to take part in, in the work that you're doing. And Father, we pray if there's one here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation, that even now they can call upon you. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our song of response and